0: You said so. What was the other thing that you said that was that was really pertinent? Um, So
1: many things, Robin. Who can remember?
0: Yeah, almost everything.
2: Nineteen eighties (laughs) now.
1: Who's gonna edit? All right, right, hey, hang on. Oh, oh God! All right, hey. He just processed. Welcome. To a, Hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s <laughs> Now, we'll say.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Normally, we're, I guess every time we we talk, we're an examination of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. And this yes. episode is no different except for the fact mm-hmm. that we already gave you an episode just a few days ago. Yeah. And we have a special guest joining us. Uh, but before mm-hmm. they join us, I want to let you know that I am just Ordinary Will, uh, joined by my uh, friends and co-hosts. <laughs> I'm not a special guest. <laughs> I'm just the normal <laughs> host, uh, joined by my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey.
2: Even more ordinary John here with ordinary Cat. So uh,
1: in, in just a few moments here, we're going to be joined by our special guest, Robin Block, who is the CEO and executive producer over at Creator VC. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't okay. heard of them, I guarantee if you're a fan of 1980s pop culture like we are, you've seen their work because these are the folks behind the amazing Leave no stone unturned or no uh, cast or crew member uninterviewed. Uh, <laughs> documentarians uh, behind uh, films such as "In Search of Darkness," which was a—it's mm-hmm. going to be three volumes. I think that includes uh, them now also focusing on the 1990s. I think that's part of it. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's a—it's a—it's mm-hmm. a three-volume tome, uh, several several hours where they talk about. Uh, horror films from the 1980s. Just our decade. Awesome. And John, maybe something more akin to your liking. They did one in search of tomorrow, which is a focus on sci-fi from that same year.
2: Ooh, groovy. Yep. I like old stuff and fake new stuff. <laughs> just what oh, sci-fi is. What do you
1: mean fake new stuff? What is that?
2: <laughs> well, it's not really new. It's a, it's, it's a projection of what might be in the future. So science fiction. <gasps> so it's fake new stuff and real oh, old stuff.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think now. Yeah. Can you really rewatch something that's, Set in a, well, no, I've, I've watched Blade Runner, and I think it's set in, what, 2012 or something like that, and
2: mm-hmm. I've yeah. enjoyed that recently. It's just an alternate timeline. And we run the same problem with Star Trek's chronology, because there are things in the Star Trek lore that happened in the 90s, and yes. we're well no. past it, and it didn't happen, so they keep kind of gingerly retconning the, the old Star Trek lore, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are ways around it. Didn't First Contact happen in the 90s? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, That's the I, film. I mean, the actual first concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more probative is like, I think it was mid-90s was the eugenics wars. And when Khan Noonien Singh got oh. banished because he almost took over the planet. And we're like, where's all the genetic wars between the mod- mm-hmm. modified people? Has it hasn't happened? We missed it. We're behind. <laughs> yeah. we to catch up. They, they yes. may only be behind
1: by a few decades, though, John. I mean, right? The way I things know. are simmering in right? our country these yeah. days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got yeah. to tell you, there's some people that seem like mutants in uh, public office. Whoa. Oh, (laughs) that's as political as we're going to get today. (laughs) So I I was going to have a little surprise for you guys and do some kind of wacky thing, but I'm not, and I'm not going to say why. Mm. Mm. Why not? Mm. No, don't Mm. do that. Mm. So instead, Mm. it's John's (laughs) fault. Instead, it's
2: not my fault.
1: What I'll do is let's just talk about the film thing, and maybe I'll be able to work out some other future thing that I was planning in another in another way. Oh, a future thing. All right. For folks who don't know, a thing was a film that came out in 1982. It was directed by the legendary director, John Carpenter, and legendary composer as well. In fact, in the last several years, he's focused more on composing and even, you know, I think he was touring maybe five, ten years ago, just doing that. Uh, But at the time, he was cranking out hit after hit. And I put that in quotes only because some of them weren't a hit at the time. Much like this film, uh, The Thing, which came out in 1982. Uh, starring Kurt Russell and a ton of other folks like Wilford Brimley, uh, yeah. Richard Mazur, um, mm-hmm. who else was in it? Donald Moffat. Oh gosh, so many people. Uh, Keith <laughs> David, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's a it's a science fiction. I don't want to say horror movie. It's more like a thriller. I think was. It is a thriller. Yeah, yeah.
3: Right? More of a thriller. Deep mm-hmm.
2: suspense. Deep suspense mm-hmm. is what I would. Go, yeah, I mean, it's all yeah. those things. It has horror components. It has thriller mm-hmm. components. It has yeah. suspense components. And it's a whodunit. In yes. way. Or a what mm. a what done it. <laughs> what, what did it?
3: <laughs> yes. What did done it? It yeah, there there's some gross things I remember, you know, feeling a the little The cat like laughed it. at. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she <laughs> laughed. You didn't feel <laughs> it you felt ha 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 silly spider head.
2: No, yeah. it's terrible spider head. It's horrific. Double amputee. Ha ha ha.
3: Claire. (laughs) ah! Uh, Maybe it was a coping mechanism.
2: (laughs) I think so. I do think Mm -hmm. so. think so. Sure. Okay. (laughs) We'll say that's what it was. To your point, John,
1: (laughs) I I was, you know, preparing to talk to Robin and uh, was filling in my wife about the the movie because she's heard me mention it so many times. She was like, do you, maybe, maybe I'd be interested in
2: watching it. She'd never seen it. Oh, okay.
3: Now
1: she Uh is not a fan of horror films. That's okay. And that's the only thing she knows about it. She knows that I've told a story Mm -hmm. where... Can you spoil a movie that's, you know, what, 40 years old? <laughs> I think so. I think you can. It's almost no. 50
2: years old, right? It's 45 years old. Hmm. Can you spoil it? I mean, just don't <laughs> give away the ending ending. Yeah. There's, anyway. there's plenty There's plenty to be surprised about in this film. The scene that <laughs> yes. Kat
1: laughed at still haunts me. I mean, it's still horrifying <laughs> to, me to see today. Uh, and my wife knows, mm-hmm. that's the only thing she knows about the film. So she's like, I, I don't know. Do you think I could watch it? Maybe I'll, I'll look away. And I said, well, let me tell you what it's like. And I Mm -hmm. told it to her, John, as if it's Agatha Christie, you know, uh, and then they were none. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh Because people get killed off one at a time and you don't know who's committing these murders, essentially.
2: That's the setup of every one of those. It was someone here. No one leaves until we discover. And then people start dropping like flies. Like That's also the
1: thing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I was going to say differently. I guess it's slightly different. There's no, you know, Hercule Poirot uh, character or Miss Marple that's solving these mysteries. They're all kind of, you know, vet invested in that. And to some extent, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Russell's character, Keith David's character, you know, sort of the alpha males that are trying to solve this for, uh, you know, figure mm-hmm. out who's killing them off.
2: Yeah. It's an yeah. alien. Yeah, they're, all, they're all suspects <laughs> yeah. and they're all investigators and they're all terrified.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and look, this isn't giving too much away. Folks know this, right? The coolest thing about it is it's Agatha Christie as if the murderer could assume the identity of anybody else there at the mansion. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. That's terrifying. Just thinking about it that way, it's terrifying.
3: I didn't feel terrified, though. I think you're
1: you're not in this conversation. She she felt it was hilarious. (laughs) Kat, I mean, look, just please be honest. Please be honest. Was it possible
3: you were multitasking at the time? No, I was. I don't do that. When Mm. I watch movies, I watch them. In fact, if I miss a line, if there's anything Mm -hmm. distracting me, I will rewind. And it's the most annoying thing to Mm. my family. So- Uh, No, I watched it.
1: Were you doing (laughs) that though?
2: During moments of suspense? (laughs) No. Watch his head leap back onto his torso and his chest close up. Yeah. It's a happy ending. He got two arms.
1: That amputee was gifted with two working (laughs) arms. All better now. With the advent of the internet, uh, this film, which is essentially about paranoia. I mean, in the end, it's about paranoia. We, we, a few months ago, talked about the ending of the film because- John Carpenter, you know, was asked once again. I think this time by Stephen Colbert, whether at the mm-hmm. ending we know, because it just comes down to a few folks. Let's say, do we know definitively who's been infected with this alien or not? And Carpenter mm-hmm. says, "I know, but I'm not telling you." Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that's the ultimately the point of the film that you should mm-hmm. feel that uncomfortable. Well, not Kat, mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, John. I don't, you can't really talk to you. You should feel uncomfortable no, no, yeah, it's and a concerned. Conversation. You shouldn't know, and you should be worried that you don't know, and that's. But in the internet, this era now where we've got to sleuth everything, people are determined mm-hmm. to figure it out, <laughs> which I think is fascinating because they're imbuing, imbuing uh, uh, evoking, not when you're, when you're demonstrating. What is it like, you know? Uh, invoking? Invoking? Exemplifying? Exemplifying. Yes, exemplifying. You win, John. <laughs> exemplifying the kind of paranoia that you're intended to feel.
2: Yeah. I bet right now, if you went and it, you could yeah. find 10 videos that say, the thing, ending explained. Yes. Right? That's what it would say. <gasps> Yeah. All those videos. And even they don't know for sure. Right. They're just going to say what they have, the conclusion they have arrived at.
1: And I think the brilliance of John Carpenter is
2: he, he, he pieced this together in much
1: the way one of those mystery films that we've talked about. But he did something opposite or inverse. He crafted it in a way that you'd have all these red herrings that lead to places, but that mm-hmm. there's really nothing definitive you can walk away knowing.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you could definitively say, well, that dude's dead. That dog's dead. I mean, there are things you could verify. (laughs) I'm I'm talking about the ending. Yes. Again, about, yes. But in the greater scope, yes, you don't know entirely at the end. Okay.
1: Yeah. And this speaks to the theories and folks can look up them up if they want. And I've watched them all. I've watched all the videos John talked about. Uh, but at the time, the fan the, the the movie was not a hit. It received a bunch of negative reviews when it was still in theaters. Some described it as quote instant junk." Oh, really? As quote wretched
2: excess." Was that cat? <laughs> check, check, check the name on that uh, article. Oh, oh, it is cat. <laughs> <laughs> she was ten at the time.
3: I was ten, eleven. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right? She was very clever.
3: Wretched excess, she said. Ten years old.
2: Well,
1: and yeah, her defense, I did always
3: like vocabulary? <laughs> it
1: actually, it actually just is a sad face, is what
3: she drew here. With a single tier. A tear. Yeah. Um, but, oh, you know, okay. since
1: uh, it, it happened at a great time that it came out, because this was the beginning of home video sales. And so, within a couple mm-hmm. of years of it being in theaters, it yeah. was on video. And that's where, like many of these cult films from the 1980s, started to take off. I know mm-hmm. that's when I first saw it as a young person, was in my living room watching it on Betamax, I'm pretty sure. And then oh. watched it over Ooh, and over again wow. after that with every friend I could find. You've got
2: to see this <laughs> <laughs> because nobody had, no one no. had seen it. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody yeah, yeah. missed it, <laughs> and so yeah, as soon as you saw it, you are like, you haven't seen this yet. It, it was, yeah. it was before the instant gratification of I'll stream it later. No, I have the tape. Watch it now or miss it.
3: Right. So and it was he fun. kept finding people who hadn't seen it.
2: <laughs> so right. so yes, we watched easy. it
3: so many times, and it made. Such an impression at such a young age, and he was terrified. And I did not have that experience, and so I was not terrified.
2: I love you, Cat. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're wrong, Cat. How about That's this? All. Can you can you <gasps> name a film? Uh, the last mm-hmm. film
1: that you that scared you.
3: That scared me. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Halloween.
1: Halloween. When you watched it recently.
3: Mm-hmm. But it didn't terrify me while I was watching it. It terrified me. Um, Within the next few days, I walked out of my house at about five in the morning to go somewhere Mm -hmm. and it was dark and it was fall Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it freaked me out. And I was looking everywhere to make sure that there was no one standing around with their head cocked, you know, watching me walk to the car. So it freaked me out later, not while watching it though. So Mm -hmm. this means to
1: me, we've just got
2: to get you on a plane uh, to the Antarctic. (laughs) at some point. She needs to actually be in the environment where the scary things happened. That's what she needs.
3: I think you're onto something. Absolutely. I need to be immersed.
1: As an adult now, I don't get scared of films, you know, and I watch, Mm -hmm. I don't watch a lot of horror movies. I try to watch the ones that I I hear are like, oh, this has a clever, you know, angle or the storytelling's really smart Mm -hmm. or there's a twist. I watch those. And I don't know that I've ever been terrified recently. I've definitely been on the edge of my seat concerned about what the well, hell is going to happen here? But at the time, yes, you're right. Maybe like you're saying, maybe it's scarier to me now cuz it's still scary to me. It's not scary to me now. It's still, I don't know, upsetting.
3: Uh-huh, it's still, uh-huh. you know,
1: an experience I think to be
2: had. Still has the ability to set your nerves on edge. It yeah. does me. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but plus the nostalgia, plus the fun of it. Not the laughter, but plus the fun <laughs> and the reminiscing of the last 20 times you saw it. It's yeah, it's it's it stays good even though you know that ending, uh-huh. the mm-hmm. ambiguous ending.
1: Yeah. yeah I yeah. agree. I think it holds up. I think for me, it's among one of the best mm-hmm. horror films ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly in the top, I don't know, whatever, some number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Top 10 or pick, so. Pick a number. That's a- yeah. There you go. 10. Mm-hmm. You go. All right. <laughs> okay. Hey, let's learn more about it from a guy who's, you know, gearing up to do this, what he's referring to as an expanded documentary. We can ask him what that means. Cause I'm not sure. It sounds mm-hmm. high tech. But uh, these folks make films, so I don't imagine it could be too terribly high-tech. But I will Mm -hmm. say that I've learned from from watching their documentaries things about films that I didn't know from the 1980s. And I feel like I know a lot about this movie, but there hasn't been a definitive or a really in-depth documentary except for stuff that... fans have done and those fans don't mm-hmm. have access to the creators the way the folks mm-hmm. over at creator vc do mm-hmm. so let's bring out our guest uh, we'll be back in just a moment with our guest i'm going to say guest as many times as i can in the sense
2: <laughs> Guest, robin block prior to this point in time somewhere in the past the timeline skewed into this tangent creating an alternate 1985 alternate view you Everyone else.
1: Our guest today is the CEO and executive producer of Creator VC, the amazing film company that brought us the critically acclaimed, fan-approved documentaries In Search of Darkness and In Search of Tomorrow. And soon, you'll be able to feast your eyeballs on an even more extensive look at James Cameron's Aliens, the 1986 sequel to the original film from Ridley Scott, in Creator VC's Aliens Expanded. But now, our guest has turned his attention to John Carpenter's The Thing with another expanded look at one of our favorite films. And here's what's really cool. You can be a part of it. Check the show notes to see how you can help guide the development of Creator VC's forthcoming documentary. Please welcome back to the show, Robin Block. Hi, well done. Hey, just uh, uh, as a reminder to you, maybe even, you know, you first joined us uh, three years ago when... uh, Let's see, In Search of Darkness, part one was already out. In Search of Darkness, part two was soon to come out. And you were actually uh, starting to develop In Search of Tomorrow.
0: It's all a blur. <laughs> it's, all, I mean, I, it, it's crazy, yeah. right? Because um, when I started Career VC, you know, I was so gung-ho. Um, and it's it always a thrill to be invited onto anybody's show. It's always a thrill, right? Yep. Um, but as the business and the team have, have evolved, I've taken much more of a back seat, um, so I I push out the directors of our projects and the producers of our projects to do podcast appearances, and of, often they're a lot closer to the production than I am. Sure, um, but uh, with with this particular project, um, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about doing something new, trying trying new things, even talking about it at such an embryonic stage mm-hmm. because. Um, ideas are at that, are at their most fragile when they're embryonic. So, um, as our documentaries and our capability and experience have have increased over the years, so has our like desire to iterate a little Mm -hmm. bit and try new things. And I think the biggest sort of mission for me and for, and for Creative EC is to create more of a sense of intimacy between not just us and our supporters but between the projects we create and and the, the backers of those projects we want to create something which um people can feel like they're really part of the journey right. all the way through and so it's not just you know we're going to make it we're going to make this project see you when it's done <laughs> right thing. right
1: yeah and you and just not to bury the lead here but uh, of course we're talking about the fact that uh, you are now working on an expanded documentary that focuses on John Carpenter's 1982 film, uh, *The Thing*. And you know, it occurs to me that uh, in the in your prior documentaries, which you've you know thoroughly examined horror films, for example, from the 1980s, dozens. Uh, you mentioned that you know last time we spoke, you know David Weiner, your directing the uh, director and production partner, joined us as well. But now you're up front. Do you have a personal connection to this film that uh, makes you more motivated to be out there talking about it?
0: Uh, David's really busy. <laughs> I think if you have anything else to do, he might break, right? No, David's currently in production. But David's fantastic. I mean, he, sure. he um, they, you know, In Search of Darkness, um, you know, really is his franchise. He's, he's made it. Um, it's got to the point now with In Search of Darkness that, um, I, I never step in editorially. We'll set stuff up at the beginning, um, when I get sent a rough cut, and obviously I see sections come through as they're being edited, okay. but when I get sent, um, you know, a big chunk of film to watch that David's working on, it's very hard for me to be critical because I'm enjoying it so much. <laughs> um, and and also we've just had a huge campaign, really, back in October for In Search of Darkness '90 '94, right. and poor old David was willed on everybody's podcast. He's you know he's sort of just getting back to his senses now, but um the what's different is that we are known for the in search of format which is taking something really big like a decade or an era or even a genre and kind of trying to take you on a whistle stop tour of it you know um and that's been very successful um back in 2022 i came up with a new concept which is almost the inverse of the In Search Of concept. So rather than looking at something that was huge that we had to whittle down inevitably just to capture into any kind of reasonable runtime, I wanted to do the inverse. I wanted to tackle a specific film and go into it in detail, unpack, you know, as many elements of it as possible. And the the first project we've done that with comes out in a couple of months. It's called Aliens Expanded. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, it's about James Cameron's 1986 Aliens, We've got half a cast on board for it, um, uh, you know, lots of people behind the scenes. And it's not a making of, it's like, let's get all the fan base together and let's nerd out about this film. Let's remind ourselves why this is so amazing. And that project from its inception to where it is now in the final stages of post-production, I think has been one of the best executed projects we've ever delivered. And that's partly because we, way before we went and did any crowdfunding or pre-sales, we went out to the Aliens fan base and started talking to them. We involved them in this process of, these are our ideas, what do you think? Please criticize them. So at the beginning we had, uh, I think, like a, a five or six page synopsis going, this is our concept, this is our idea. Mm-hmm. And we had you know, thousands of Aliens fans come in and comment on the Google Doc and we listened to it and we reiterated. Um, we went to the uh, people that run the various fan sites and said, look, will you be part of this advisor circle? Because wow. we want to really create something which is a manifestation of your fandom. And I think for us, the goal with Aliens Expanded is, if you're an Aliens fan and you watch it, the first thing you'll we'll want to do is watch Aliens straight away. Mm-hmm. And it will be like the first time you are watching it. It will remind you of why you love it and you'll see it in a new, new way.
1: Right,
0: And so that, and we, over Christmas time, we sent in 200 of our backers a rough cut of, you know, it was a five hour rough cut and it was rough as wow. well, but this is where we've got to, right?
2: Yeah.
0: And it was very nervous for us to see. You know, it's like releasing your, Baby, that isn't quite ready yet, but you're just going to, you know, we've got to get that constructive criticism out of the way. And the feedback has been phenomenal. We're really excited about this launch. So the way we work is we work kind of six months out from a kind of campaign. Um, And so what I'm trying to do with The Thing expanded, so the next movie we want to look at um, using this expanded format is John Carpenter's The Thing. And so we're kind of six months (coughs) <coughs> excuse me, six months away from really diving into that process. So this is just a discovery process for us now. Wow. We don't have a synopsis. What we're trying to do is we're trying to elicit a projection from the the thing fan community about what they would want to see from our kind of, our, our kind of project. And what we want to do is we want to go almost like a scene-by-scene scene breakdown. We want to explore fan theories, you know, different uh, uh character profiles we want to create something which is like a total nerd out for fans of this movie in a way that we can extract even more value from it right now you may, wow so many
1: questions have come up uh, just from that one, one comment here uh but you, you you make me think almost even now as you describe this is there an opportunity for this thing expanded to uh, itself the documentary itself to feel paranoid and have mistrust, and maybe in a way that the documentary itself is even a meta experience or commentary on the film. Now, I'm Je- not a filmmaker, you know Robin.
0: Will, well, yeah. well, I'm sensing a change of career direction for you because <laughs> like, I, hadn't, um, I think that's a, cr- a great idea. I don't know exactly how we sort of make that happen within the format. Yep. I, could, I don't know if I can screen share on here, but I can show you how we approach a film. Aliens expanded through a bit of clever motion graphics. But essentially, the, f- the expanded format, imagine you've got an editing suite in front of you, okay. and you've got the whole movie, The Thing, on your timeline. Mm. Now, imagine that timeline is three-dimensional. So this, this flat film is now like a block, okay. and it's made up of all these different scenes, wow. and it's in a 3D space, and then we're the virtual camera, and we're flying in, picking out a scene, going into it, deconstructing it, going off in different tangents, and so the documentary starts at the beginning where the movie starts and finishes chronologically at the end when the movie ends.
1: Wow.
0: And so we want to kind of go through it, but in a, in a really entertaining, entertaining way. Um, we've just had some motion graphics done for aliens expanded, which is the format that I want to carry on. Cause I want to create something which is going to be familiar. Um, cause a lot of aliens fans love the thing vice sure. versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing off the table. So um, I know where I am with this is I know that I want, to, want, I want it to stick in that format. And I know that I want it to speak to super fans of the thing. So this isn't for a general audience. This isn't going to be on Netflix. This is if you've watched the thing 40 times, yes. this is for you, right? Yeah. And I want this to be a premium piece of entertainment, but really focus on a narrow audience, and so I've been having conversations with leaders in the kind of thing fan community. And like, it's this weird camaraderie, mm. you know, it's if I saw you walking down the road and you had a thing t-shirt on, <laughs> we just quietly acknowledge each other, mm-hmm. you know, and and we'd know there'd be almost like an unsaid thing that we're cool. Right. Like it's that kind of thing with, with the thing. And, um, it's interesting to say it that fun. way
1: because uh, to think that a a film that is largely about mistrust, and after you can spend all this time with a group of other men, in the end you still don't know you, you don't know who is you know the, the thing essentially that that type of film would bring other people together.
0: Crazy, isn't it? It's it's that's the thing with horror. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those titles which you know it's well known that it was underappreciated. It's. It took a long time for it to find its audience, but the audience is, is there. Now, one of the things we do, and what we're doing right now, is we're doing a validation. You know, like there's nothing set in stone. Part of this process I'm going through is to test the demand. Is this something hmm. that there is an audience that's going to step up and be part of it? You know, that and all of our projects now have to go through this lengthy validation process because we're at a stage now where we can't commit to a project if we can't be certain the audience is there.
1: Right.
0: Um, and, and so, but so far, it's it, the, you know, I've been running this like a week and a half. Um, it, it's been phenomenal. I'm getting the same kind of vibes that I did when I started in Search of Darkness, mm. you know, and part of my job. Creative EC is to pick up on the signals and timings and, you know, and it's, it's like in the ether and I've had, and I test everything and I kill a lot of projects. If I can't projects that I'm close to that, I can't kind of see the demand right. and I'm having the, the opposite experience. Not only do I, I love this movie personally, yep. but everyone's showing up. I'm getting messages daily Um, people are commenting on our socials. I think uh, just before I came on the show with you, we'd had like 430 survey responses, right? And that's off about 15 social media posts. Right? And at the time of this recording, we haven't even emailed our own backers, backer base Mm. about this project because we've got other projects coming out. So we don't want to start getting people excited for stuff, right? So this is kind of not on the down low, but it's like this is very focused on like grassroots thing fans before we start making it a big, you know, like in the next couple of months, I want to come back to everybody with a really clever, well thought through synopsis for people to pick apart. And you know, right. tell us what they like, what they don't like, you know, and eventually before we go to um, a pre-sale, which is looking like July, 2024, that's our window for this. Okay. Well, wow. um, um, the like we want to have almost had it peer reviewed, mm-hmm. so we created a roadmap for something that people really want. So that's why you know your idea about keeping it you know meta and keeping it kind of paranoid that hadn't even occurred to me. Yeah, so it's a good idea. It's clever. You can have it. It's free. So you, you, I'll give you a copy. <laughs> all
1: right, <laughs> thank Before you. <laughs> So obviously, you know, in Search of Darkness, you did dozens of horror films. Now you, you talk about these expandeds that you're working on. First one, Aliens is due out. and You're working on the thing. What is, two of my favorites, uh, but what is it about those two films or the thing in particular that uh, makes it, deems it worthy of
0: this type of uh, examination? Right. Is it the fan base?
1: Is it the film itself?
0: I think you're right. I think it's the fan base, um, but it has to be the film. So there's certain. I mean, I feel like an affinity with you and your show and what it's about because um, the first two uh, films we've decided to cover with this format are films that were made in the '80s. And there's certain movies. Uh, you know what I'm about to say. Like disclaimer, it's really subjective. Okay, <laughs> but I I think there's certain films that are perfect movies. Sure. And and a perfect movie will be re- relevant in a hundred years. People will still watch it. Right, and the you know, Aliens is I think a perfect movie. I've what you know, I've had to watch it more times this year. Understandably, every that's time right. I watch yeah. it, I see something new. Every time I watch it, I'm still amazed at the reality, the authenticity, the believability of this universe that's been created. the 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 action, the drama, the character, like everything is just on point, and that's a perfect film. Um, I think The Thing, for different reasons, is a perfect film. I think that, that strategically, one of the things we're doing is we're doubling down on the horror audience, which is the biggest part of our audience, um, and The Thing is often touted as like one of the greatest horror movies mm-hmm. um, yeah. of all time, but also, you know, I went to see it a- um, a couple of weekends ago in london at the british film institute so beautiful like 4k amazing cinema in london packed rewatching the thing and it nothing feels like a performance as soon as that opening shot of the helicopter or the the kind of arctic landscape and then you see the helicopter like you're back in the game you know right and just the the tightness of the editing nothing's dated Nothing's dated. You know, The I was seeing people in that audience two weeks ago reacting to seeing that movie for the first time and, you know, 40 something years later. That's amazing. And so the author, the truth in that film, that kind of alternate universe in that film stands up. It will still stand up in a hundred years. Hasn't been bettered. Um, And that's why it's relevant, but also specifically with the thing, because you've got this projection onto this movie by the fan base. So you've got the computer game kind of sequel. You've got the kind of remake prequel that was, you know, poorly received. I think that's not a bad film actually, but it was poorly received. And um, you've got all these fan theories, endless you um, know, recently, Kurt Russell's still recently, Kurt Russell's talking about the ending. Right. You know, like it's sometimes I don't even think filmmakers are aware of this when they create, but sometimes things just have a have an afterlife. And with the expanded format, it's been set up for the fandom to explore these avenues and in, and in an entertaining way and have fun with it and go off on tangents. And just what would this what would this mean if child's was the thing what would this mean if you know so and, and it, you know the the fan base as i'm seeing is absolutely rabid with ideas and they're always looking for new stuff um there's mystery rob botine yes. famously media shy right, right? media yeah. shy we, we you know we in the survey i was like you've got to interview rob you've boteen He's like the white whale, right? Mm-hmm. He's like the Moby Dick um, of this. And and what I would say is absolutely he is probably top of the list for interviews you want. Obviously, when someone makes a decision to stay out of the public eye deliberately, yeah. you have to respect that. But we are going to absolutely try uh, making him an offer he can't receive. I don't know. But, like, it's sort of we're going to try uh, to get something with him because I don't know if he really fully understands how – much his work has impacted pop culture, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, and how much people want to celebrate him. And it's funny because the, when I look at the statistics from the, like the demographic from people who have signed up to the survey, I'm 46, right? Like the, the median age is like from like 36 to 54. (laughs) This, there's a kind of generational relationship with this movie that's quite interesting yeah um and uh you know no one's really come along and and produce something which explores all of these things and that really excites
1: me that's your end robin that's your end look this is your end to the paranoia thing Rob he's removed himself because he doesn't trust maybe something. You got to find, look, if
0: you get it. He doesn't if, trust media, probably. Don't blame him. If you um, can
1: interview him by the end, then the whole thing can work up to that. Mystery of Rob Yeah, maybe.
0: I mean, the, the, w- one of the things that we're, we're doing now is we're calling it an interactive documentary because um, we want to we want to sort of create a year-long celebration of the thing. So while we're in production, we want to have... Former cast, crew, experts, the backers all come together for these live events, for these vidcasts, just like this, where we all start exploring tangents and topics all the way through the process. And we've done that with our Aliens Expanded. We've had like half the cast come on and do Q&As. And we've had um, some of the show hosts from some of the main Aliens fan Um, entities come on and explore different avenues. And it's been so much fun. So it's added about another sort of 12 12 to 15 hours of entertainment for this kind of project. And I want to double down on that for the thing expanded because um, there's so many topics to explore. We can't, even at our best, we can't, within about four hours, you can't cover everything. Sure. The, uh,
1: you know, just to be clear, I suppose, because you talked about it now being year long interactive documentary and you talked about it being expanded and, and maybe it's because I know you produce sci-fi documentaries that conjure some images of minority report, this three dimensional, you know, sort of timeline, but it's, it's, it, it, it isn't, the medium is still the same as your other documentaries, right? We're watching it from beginning to end. We can't actually change what we're focusing on as a viewer.
0: No, no, it won't be, it won't be, um, I've got. I've, I've got to sort of just be careful what what I say because nothing's off the table. If everyone was like, "We want an interactive DVD or we don't do DVDs anymore, Blu-ray," right. um, then I'd have to take that into consideration. But no, it's a, it's a film that you watch, okay. um, and it's going to be long. You know, very hard to get these things under a runtime of about four hours. Um, but when I talk about it being interactive, I mean the the, the journey for backers. So our focus isn't really on general distribution our focus is on um creating you know creating um a premium entertainment product but for a very relatively small audience they you know five to ten thousand people um but give them something that they just couldn't get anywhere else and that's our kind of raison d'etre that's kind of what, what we're doubling down on. And as part of that, we want to be different. We want to be able to say, look, there's this interest in this subject. Let's get all the experts, everyone relevant around this and create this celebration. And at the end, it's a bit like in Search of Dollars. At the end, you get like, you know, the, 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 the merchandise, your name's on it. It means something. You know, this is a manifestation of tens of thousands of people's interest in 80s horror. It's why when people occasionally put them up on eBay, they go for you know, hundreds of dollars because it's quite rare. And I think what we're trying to do is double down on that. We want to create an experience and a product which if, if you know, that signal that you're following, it speaks to you. Anything less, and it's not, that's not what we're interested in. We don't want to dilute this. We, you know, if you've never seen the thing before, you're not going to enjoy our documentary. <laughs> so you know, it's, you know it, it's that's not the vibe. I like, right. want to double down on that, and I think part of that is actually just things like now, like having this conversation with you, because you know a large majority of your viewers, I assume, will have watched the thing. It's one of the most famous horror movies from the eighties. Um, I suspect you reached out because the thing, it's like a, it's like the bat signal. Yes, you know, it's kind of like Thundercats, looking up, and right. you know. <laughs> Um, but uh, but that's what it is. That's what it means to people. And there isn't something out there, apart from the Blu-ray releases of the film, that have excellent special features. But there isn't anything which has been a premium look at, actually, let's look at this from the fans' perspective. Let's pay fan services. Let's go down all these rabbit holes. Let's explore. I mean, what does some of the cast think about its reception 40 years on? Right. Mm-hmm. You nope. Know, Um, You know, for In Search of Darkness, we interviewed John Carpenter and I did the interview with Keith David. Mm. And he loves the fact that it's achieved this kind of cult status. And he had all sorts of stories that we couldn't put in In Search of Darkness because that, the thing segment was only three and a half minutes long. Mm. So we want to take that and make it, you know, four hours. Right. So.
1: Yeah. You know, we talked about the, uh, how folks still theorize about the ending of the film. Um, and it seems to me that, and as also as you mentioned, it wasn't a hit when it first came out in, in the early 1980s. And, and there's probably a number of different things that were working against it. Certainly not the quality of the film, but it seems like maybe there was a shift as far as uh, what film goers wanted to see. It was competing against E.T., which was a very different type of alien story. And I think we were on that trajectory where we wanted to see more hope in our pop culture uh, coming out of the 1970s in the more auteur sort of era of filmmaking and the Vietnam, you know, how Vietnam affected filmmakers and that sort of thing. But today with the advent of the Internet, <laughs> there's more conspiracy theories out there about, unfortunately, actual things that it seems like more than ever. I imagine this film is popular because of how folks like to find things that are potentially, you know, conspiratorial. And this film just, you know, sort of is perfect for that type of analysis.
0: A- absolutely. And and it's the way I look at it is how can you get more out of something you love? You know, and, and the reason that these fan communities exist is because it's a way to tap into something you love and further its relevance. And I think that when when we get a documentary right, part of that emotion that we're trying to elicit in the viewer is, is nostalgia, mm. but it's also to understand something you love in a different way. I'll give you an example. Um, I, I love movies. I watch a lot of movies, um, but I'm no film critic. Um, my wife often has to explain to me what I've just watched because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> basic stuff goes over my head. Like we all view the world differently. Does she oh, say stuff like, enough? Oh yeah. And
1: you make the documentaries.
0: Yeah. No, she says, she's like, well, didn't you understand that that person was the guy that did, I um, no, didn't, what, what? And then halfway through the film, she'll tell me, oh, that guy's the killer. And I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> how, like, what am I missing it? But, um, there's certain film journalists that whenever I hear them on interviews, uh, they're just very gifted at making mm. something that you're familiar with sound even better. So right. that way I'm getting more value from it. And I read you know, I'm reading, I'm you know, I'm reading at the moment this fas- fascinating book about the things, quite famous. I spoke to uh, my new friend, Phil Horne, need to give him a plug. He's just, <laughs> this came out last year, the, the thing, history of a franchise. Like all of this stuff, what it does is it just makes the experience richer. And the, my kind of poorly worded metaphor for this is something along the lines of the same man doesn't step in the same river twice, mm. right? So... I was very young when I first watched the, the thing, probably about nine or ten years old, and it had this visceral,
1: uh-huh.
0: you know, experience for me, and I remember it. But I watched it two weeks ago at the age of forty-six, and I had a very different experience. You know, I'm not the same man, and it's not the same river. And I think great art, that is great, has that um, has that quality to it where you can revisit it. Throughout your life and see it in new ways, and I think that's why this film endures. And great films have that. I mean, there's other films that I think are perfect films from the 80s. You know, Predator is mm-hmm. flawless mm-hmm. still, you know, it's not as complex, it doesn't have all the fan theories sure. that you know, <laughs> as much as they say. But, um, you know, the, the, you know, Donnie Darko is another one for me personally. Whenever I watch it, I see something new, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And I, and I, I don't think you could really set out to construct a film like that. I think that a lot of things have to happen at once and everyone has to get a bit lucky. But specifically with The Thing, it's like the underdog of movies. You know, it kind of, it, 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 it wasn't a hit. It derailed Carpenter's career. But now it's one of the most celebrated horror movies in history. Yeah. If you put on The Thing in any cinema, in any city in the Western world, it will sell out. Sure.
1: No doubt. Yeah. You, you know, you, uh, talking about, uh, you can't, uh, it takes, requires a little bit of luck. Uh, but it, it seems to me, and you'll know, you know, better than I do. And you're, you're doing the research and you're putting together this amazing documentary about the thing. Um, but I, it seems, uh, look, I guess first with regard to the ending for folks who don't know, it's, it's ambiguous. So we've got this creature that's trying to survive. We don't know if it has, it's certainly sophisticated enough to build a spaceship, but it's it's trying to survive hidden among uh, whatever it whatever life form it needs to and uh, by the ending we're not sure if there's if it's still alive or we just got some humans I believe the ending is intentionally well we know it's intentionally ambiguous I, I but to that end the folks that you theorize there's all these clues I think carpenter was careful to create a puzzle that has no clues in a sense and just a lot of red herrings maybe uh, do you think the ending is? more clear than that i
0: don't know i mean i it's i love the fact it's really downbeat yeah. and dark yes and hopeless right and then um i was posting about this last week uh i think um there's a name to this theory right? i've been mapping i've got a list of 20 fan theories there's way more what? wow yeah. that's way more so than there's, like, there's, literally i have um i have a spreadsheet of um of of, of <laughs> um, fan theories and there's some wild ones um uh you yeah, know there's certainly uh, some wild, here we go I'm, just, I'm bringing it up cuz I'll give you the name yeah um, it's cool. yeah so this particular fan theory is the whiskey bottle oh, theory sure. right yeah and so uh This is a theory that MacReady gives (laughs) Childs the whiskey bottle, but actually it's filled with gasoline. Yeah. (laughs) And and Childs drinks it and obviously doesn't spit it out, right? But also that Childs doesn't have any cold breath in that scene. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I think that when my assumption with a film going in is everything's deliberate. Mm -hmm. There are no accidents. Yeah, Um, I can't remember if... John Carpenter, when we interviewed him, told us. But, you know, it's it may be a subconscious thing, but, uh, you know, there's some really crazy ones on here. I, I, I will, you know, we'll be posting more of these on our social media. There's things like the breath theory, the shadow theory, the eye gleam theory, yep. the clothing theory, the helpful. dog handler's keys theory. Just, I could oh, carry yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I love the fact that, someone somewhere has gone frame by frame and gone, right, this is what I think I'm going to go and post that somewhere. And then someone else has read it and gone, oh, what about this? I mean, it happened today in the comments. You know, one of the things we're doing is we're doing this survey that's really simple, We've got about four questions on it. You know, how many times have you watched the thing? You know, What would you like to see covered in this documentary? And, you know, how, tell me a memory of like, you know, watching the thing. And it's really interesting listening to what people are saying. So I did a post last night where we just took a quote from one of the respondents who said, um, you know, essentially, I'd love to understand how the thing that film has affected other films. Mm. You know, what influences, I mean, right now, the time of recording, they've just released, they've just started the new series of true detective Right. Just set in the Arctic, and yes. it's just it pays homage so much to so much to the thing, and it's still relevant. That's one of like a myriad of of films. Hateful Eight, you know, one of this would be Quentin Tarantino because because the thing is such a big influence. And it's the kind of project where we could probably get him, right? You know, so I just you know we could just go on this rabbit hole, and but I love that. You know, I think that there's that's the kind of thing that if it's presented in a clever entertaining way becomes ultimate fan service.
1: Right. Yeah. Now the, uh, look, I know we should wrap up here. I'm going to say with regard to the end, I think, well, it's interesting that folks, I don't know if these folks who do these theorize realize that they're, they're, (laughs) they're exhibiting the paranoia. That is the point of the film. You know, it's almost, they don't realize they've become a product of the film experience. Well,
0: you're the only one who can see that you like, don't you see? <laughs> like, yes. um, this is art imitating, life imitating art, yeah. really, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, this, see, this conversation has been an amazing conversation because you have ideas about this, you know, and I'm taking away two, stealing two. Yeah, please. I uh, which is first, you know, could you present the film in a way where it becomes increasingly paranoid? Um and uh you know the the you said so what was the other thing that you said that was that was really pertinent? Um so many
1: things, Robin, who can remember?
0: Yeah, almost everything. But, but it's but this is why I'm doing this this sort of mini kind of podcast tour is because all of these ideas that everyone has that's into this are valuable. And I, I want to kind of soak them up, take you know, document them, um and then Come back to everybody with a synopsis, a Google Doc, right with maybe some pictures, and like this is our vision for what this you know project will be, and I want that to be something which is criticized, embraced, ultimately refined, so we can get somewhere where everyone who's into this is very excited about this project and it's you know it's the it's not us having amazing ideas, it's the fan community. And then manifesting this for itself. So how can fans get involved? You mentioned the survey. How can uh,
1: folks listening to this uh, help you create this uh, expanded documentary?
0: So we've set up social media pages um, on Facebook, Twitter, X, um, and Instagram. Um, and the handle is ThingExpanded, one word. And if you go to the bio in that, there's a kind of bitly link to a Google form. Um, and it's super simple. And what I really want to find out is what would you want to see in this documentary? What interests you about the thing? And where are you? You know, how many times have you watched the thing and why do you love it? You know, those are the kind of questions we want to ask. And as people sign up for this survey, it will enable us to have a dialogue. You know, in a couple of months time, we want to get back to everybody and say, look, we've collated, you know, the insights you've given us. This is what, we want to share with you is this what you want us to create and keep going um but our window this year is may june july with july being um the first pre-sell for the thing expanded so you know, we're in the end of january so we're still really early um but to have generated this kind of interest is a you know, hugely flattering but just shows it's the right signals you know um, and I just want to follow that kind of thread to wherever it leads.
1: Yeah. And that folks trust you, Creative VC, uh, David, all the folks, uh, behind your product, uh, your, your projects with this product.
0: I hope, I hope so. And you know, I feel like each time we do a project, we have to earn it. Um, you know, we're very grateful to get what we, you know, to, to be able to do this work. Um, but you know, we, we have to take risks. We have to get better. Even doing this, you know, I don't have an exact, I can't tell you exactly what we're going to cover because it's still being formed. But I think that's part of the beauty of getting involved. Right.
1: Well, Robin, we want to thank you for your time today. We certainly look forward to this journey and going on this journey with you as you create this documentary and ultimately seeing the product. I'm very excited to sit down for four hours and uh, learn new things about something that I think I already know. I promise you,
0: but, um, you know, and if you're, you know, uh, I'm sure I'd love to sort of, um, Share with you a screener of Aliens Expanded because that's coming out April, May and that's the first expanded format. And um, I think if you like that, you'll love what we're doing next. The Thing
1: is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, I probably should write this list down at some point, but seriously, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's certainly top 10 uh, favorite films. It's a film that I am comfortable recommending to most everyone, uh, fans of horror, fans of thrillers, fans of just excellent filmmaking. Uh, let me know what you think about the film, and be sure, if, if you're a true fan like I am, uh, check the show notes for a link uh, that'll help you provide some information to help guide Robin and his team uh, when they as they're creating this, uh, you know, thing, expanded documentary. You heard him. You're, you're just getting started here, okay? And on behalf of Kat, John, and myself, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now.